You're listening to Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Ups Israel Edition, where college students and young professionals interview the leaders who are shaping the face of Israel today. Let's jump in on the conversation. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Up Israel Edition podcast. So to start, if you could please share a brief story of how you got to where you are today. To call it that way, career path started at the Israel Intelligence Unit. I served three years. And then when I uh, finished my army service, I joined Baron Systems, where I spent four years. And then we founded ProLogics with a friend from Baron, and who was back then my roommate. That was the beginning of 2015. And uh, we grew the company um, nicely up until the latest quarter, where we reached about 50 people worldwide and looking to grow the business uh, even more in the next year and exceed 100 uh, people here in CoreLogix. Yeah, I mean, if you could just briefly kind of explain what exactly CoreLogix does. Sure. CoreLogix is a log analytics platform. The idea is that we collect machine data and log data from various software systems, whether it's infrastructure, application layer, or networks, and then automatically learn the data baseline to provide uh, anomalies. So the idea is that customers connect ProLogix to their production, and within a few days, they start getting insights and uh, better understanding what's happening in their system so they can uh, troubleshoot and isolate issues faster. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's really interesting to me because, I mean, just a quick little research into your website shows that you guys are working with partners like AWS and Java and Python, which I think a lot of people know of. And... Sometimes I think we understand big data as this kind of scary concept that can threaten our security or something like that. So maybe explain a little bit of how that's not really the case or how exactly CoreLogix works to help consumers. So our customers, what they're doing usually is it does, software systems do generate a lot of data. And one of the problems is that once you have a problem and you need to troubleshoot once you have an issue in your production and you need to isolate and solve that, you have a huge amount of data to browse through and, and it's not easy just using the standard tools of searching, visualizing, and parsing the data. And so our ability to pinpoint and, and surface up the issue that we see around your data gives you insights that the human eye is not capable of gaining. So with, within a few days of learning the baseline behavior of your system, we're able to basically empower you as a professional, as a developer or a DevOps engineer to do your job better and uh, basically maintain your production systems at a scale with higher SLA. And what is SLA? Just SLA is the service level agreement. It's a common term used to describe the level of service that you provide to your customer. So whenever... Uh, you engage with any third party that is providing services to you, even things that you're not even thinking of. But there's, there's a certain ser- service level agreement, whether written or uh, unwritten, that, that you have to communicate. And that's something that any company needs to have. For instance, your mobile phone, you never looked at the terms and conditions or anything. But if, it was, uh, if you didn't have reception two hours every day, you'd consider this a breach of the service level agreement that you have with them. Because when you bought that phone, you expected to use it 24-7. So this is something that, you know, to maintain that level of service, telco companies, for instance, need to monitor their production 
very closely and make sure that everything works well so that every call goes well and every phone has reception. And to do that, they need to crunch a huge amount of data and visualize a huge amount of data. And as scale grows, as more people use cell phones, as cell phones do more complex stuff, the amount of data grows and then that calls for a new approach for new tooling. So then how did you kind of get into this space of, of core logics, of log analytics, of things like that? How do you get into that space? In my army service, um, a lot of the work was to isolate noise from normal behavior and understand what is abnormal, what is the pattern that we're used to seeing and then identifying what's wrong. And when I joined Verint, which is another basically cybersecurity and homeland security company, a lot of the work was around identifying anomalies and identifying what is deviating from, from the normal behavior that you expect to see. And within Variant, I was in charge of a lot of things that are related to how we deliver projects to our customers in high quality and how do we maintain them on site. And so I've seen a lot of the pain points of having multiple large scale projects with many customers needing to maintain them from remote and saw the pain point of analyzing those log, log files manually and decided that it's time for, for a different approach. And that's when I left Verand and, and started CoreLogix. Great. So then moving on to how you think that younger people could, if they were interested in this space, how they could go and get involved. I think that, that anyone today in the software world has to start getting familiar with the common technologies that are basically the basis for any, any new generation company, uh, which is understand um, cloud computing, which is a big term, but getting to uh, the basics of one of the bigger clouds, getting even, you know, AWS certificates, understanding how to use AWS, understanding what it means, understanding how to monitor and how to orchestrate a production environment on AWS. A lot of the common open source technologies that are big in today's world and are important for, for anyone that and has strong demand for developers that have knowledge for them is tools like Kafka or Elasticsearch or Spark. Um, so these are things that I, and obviously Kubernetes, I think these are things that I, I definitely advise to start learning, even as you're doing your computer science degree, you don't focus just on coding, but actually start to, to get familiar with the environment, with the infrastructure, with open source tools, and even with services, the companies in our space, like Datadog or Splunk, that are to some extent ProLogix competitors, are very common tools that you should know when joining a company. So these will all give you powerful tools to do your job better and to be more attractive in the work market. I want to ask you just a little bit more about your path. So could you talk about maybe a moment or a time in your life that was really a teaching moment for you? where you really felt like you grew and or like further understood your path. This could either be something like a mistake or a failure or just something that really made you like reassess as a teaching moment. I don't believe in like very unique moments that happen at once and uh, when you have that aha moment. I think it's more of a journey that you go through. It's how the path of your life is basically leading you and throughout my, my army service and then my work in Varian and in two, three different roles and what I've seen and the people that I've encountered and uh, the area of interest that I had developed, I think that led me both to the understanding of the problem, the capabilities on how to solve that problem and the interest to actually make me 
passionate or enthusiastic about solving that problem. So combining all of them together and a lot of learning that was done throughout the journey of CoreLogix itself, I think that's the key for anyone starting his own company. It should be in a space that problem that you've encountered and seen and uh, a thorough process of learning and improving until you get to a point where you can actually bring that solution to other people. And along those lines, I'm wondering if there is sort of a core value that guides what you're doing at Coral Logics, or even just in your personal life? Our values of the company, if you look at um, even our careers page, what we say is that we look for people that are hungry, humble, and smart in that order exactly. So I think that's the biggest thing, uh, both for people joining us and, and leading our way, is that we want to stay hungry, we want to keep solving problems and be excited about it. We want to stay humble and always keep close to the market, listen to the market, and listen to what your customers have to say and always try to innovate, bring something new, change something. That's my takeaway. How did you come up with those values? Not a long time ago, actually, only when we had like 25 people, uh, me and my partner, we mapped the company and we started seeing very strong correlation between those capabilities slash qualities and the performance of people. That makes a lot of sense to me. I'm wondering how the pandemic has or hasn't shifted the way that you guys are working at CoreLogix. It seems like just in my mind that a tech company that is kind of just working with data would be pretty well equipped to deal with something like this. But I'm wondering what, if it's presented any challenges to you and if so, what are those? Yeah. So uh, the first challenge that you feel immediately is working remotely. Thankfully, we were expecting COVID. So we've seen how it spreads throughout the world and, and we knew that something's coming. So we prepared everyone to the event of working from home and working remotely. We started uh, working with different tools and building different principles of work. And we started working with a tool, for instance, called Discord that allows uh, voice channels that was super helpful, came from the gaming world, but very helpful in the workspace when working remotely. We kept the offices, the nice offices you see here, so that people can work from the office if they need to do anything, if they need to uh, do meetings or anything, but no one's forced to come to the office. So it's basically pretty open and flexible. Another thing that was hard is that, you know, most of the physical conferences, tech conferences were canceled or all of them. So that was a great source of leads for us. And, and it was hard to overcome and build a new way of generating those leads. I mean, when you say you saw this coming, do you mean like in March, you were like, all right, this is going to be a problem. January, February, yeah, we saw that. It's going to be an issue, yeah. If you were a college student now, I were to move to Israel and seek out a professional opportunity, what would your advice be to young professionals who are looking to come to Israel? Israel is a very tech-oriented company. I think whatever you do, you need to figure out how that connects to tech, whether it's marketing, whether it's... Uh, finance, whether it's legal, you need to figure out how to connect to tech. Salaries in Israel are very unbalanced. There's uh, people working finance or legal or other things, even doctors that make good living in the US. In Israel, they make about half of people working in tech. So tech salaries in, in Israel and Tel Aviv in particular is I think the same amount as New York and almost the same as the Bay Area while other areas are not, are far behind. If you want to make a good living and, you know, work for the better companies, the better industries in Israel, you better find your way 
our connection to uh, the tech uh, industry here. Yeah, no, that's really surprising to hear that Israel is so high up on the chain in terms of tech companies. How do you guys uh, interacting with Israeli affairs more generally? Yeah, something that is important to mention about um, Israeli companies, one of the reasons for them to being successful is that companies in Israel are very much focused in the international market when they even start. So companies in Israel, they, you start with three, four people, you never aim for the domestic market, you always aim internationally. So we don't have any governmental clients in Israel or cooperations. We see ourselves as an international company and this is, how, this is the market that we're after. And why is that just because the domestic market is so small and the international market is bigger? Is that? Exactly. Israel, in terms of population, is smaller than LA. So you wouldn't open a company to serve three quarters of LA, I guess. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's really all the questions I have for you. Do you have anything else that you want to add about your journey, about CoreLogix, anything like that? No, I think we covered most. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom on Career Up Now's Socially Distanced Close-Up podcast. And I look forward to keeping in touch with you and uh, wish, you, wish you the best in your future and dealing with the pandemic and all that good stuff. So thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Ben. Have a good day. All right.